Thank you so much for tuning in to the Reclamation Church podcast. My name is John. I serve as the youth director here at Reclamation Church in Plano, Texas. And I'm so excited that you've decided to join us today. Because today we are continuing our series titled Let It Go. And are going to be hearing from Pastor Tom Wilson. And if this is your first time tuning into the Reclamation Church podcast, I'd like to extend an invite to you to visit our website, re.church. There you'll find more information about who we are, what we believe, and maybe listen to some sermons that we've had in the past. That being said, let's listen in. As we jump into today's message, we are in week three of a series that we're calling Let It Go. I want to encourage you guys to go either to our website or we'll put the link directly in our Facebook feed there about getting our sermon notes. And what you can do is you can print those out and have those right there with you. You can kind of follow along with us. We will have the scriptures on the screen as well, but for those who like to follow, I, it really does help out. So what I want to do is I want to start, uh, we're going to be in the book of First Samuel. If you have uh, your Bible, you guys can open up there and get ready for that. And First Samuel is really an Old Testament message that I've been praying about for some time that I would really um, ask the Spirit to, to minister to all of us and help us kind of come to a point of healing in a really interesting way, and I'm going to talk about that in just a moment, but I want to start kind of with an interesting question, and that is, how many of you really enjoy a good, miraculous story? And I don't mean a narrative you see in Hollywood. I mean, God really showed up and performed a miracle for somebody, and we get to be a part of that. We actually saw that take place uh, actually Friday here at Reclamation Church, one of our dear friends, uh, Cheryl Dingman, who is a dear part of our church family, she has been praying and waiting for a kidney for over a year now, and I talked to Jim this morning on the phone, and he said literally they were having dinner Friday night, and they get a phone call, uh, and Cheryl answers the phone, and it's really as simple as, can you be here in about an hour? And uh, she ran to the hospital, and uh, they threw in a kidney yesterday morning, and apparently she's doing quite well, and uh, this is really great news. I guess I don't know anything about kidney transplants, but apparently it takes a while for it to kind of get going, and uh, the report is the kidney just instantly started working. It was just an incredible miracle, and you know, we see those things, and we love those things, but what I want to talk about today is, is when sometimes maybe we don't get our miracles and it makes us wonder, okay, God, what, what's going on with that? You know, maybe it's someone uh, that, that you know and, and they finally t- took that big leap of faith and, and for the first time ever, they're starting to give financially back to God and they're trusting God with the tithe. And the very next day, all of a sudden, they get a bonus at work and they're starting to get raises. You're like, wow, I mean, God's really blessing them. But the problem is, you're also someone that tithes personally and, and regularly, and you're like, okay, wait a minute, I'm, I'm barely making this thing paycheck to paycheck, God, so where, where's my miracle in that, you know? Or, or maybe you've got a friend who's been praying for a miraculous healing for, for, I don't know, their cat or their dog or their hamster, I've heard before, and, and God showed up and miraculously healed that animal, and then you're like, well, I'm, I'm praying for a dear loved one, and and you know what, they didn't make it, and they passed away. And you're like, God, okay, wait a minute. Why is it you do for some but not for others? And, and, and it really causes me to step back and question a little bit. Or, you know, let's, let's get real. Maybe you and your spouse have been trying for years to conceive and have a child. And for whatever reason, the answer is just a continual no. And so you, you earn for that, and you want that, and you pray for that, and you, and you ask that before the Lord. And it's like, 
all of a sudden you've got other friends, they just look at each other and they get pregnant, you know, and you're like, wait, wait a minute. It's just, those are the things. And, and the question I want to ask this morning is what do you do when you find yourself disappointed with God? And, and what do you do when you feel like maybe God let you down? Right? Maybe it's the engagement that you, you really thought would have happened by now, but it, it doesn't happen. Or, or maybe it's the miracle that you really wanted to take place, but all of a sudden it, it, it goes a different direction. And, and, and you have the utmost respect for God, and you are in awe of who he is, but you're almost kind of afraid to admit it. In the back of your mind, you're like, I'm kind of getting frustrated with God, and, and I don't know what he's doing and why he's not listening. And what I want to talk about today is really kind of holding a grudge against God. And what I want to talk about is kind of forgiving. Um, that's actually been the theme of this entire series. We were calling the series, Let It Go. And we started three weeks ago and I kind of use this illustration. This is a rusty old piece of barbed wire from the fence at my house. And you know, what happens is we hold these grudges in our lives and just like this is dangerous and hurtful, you know, you try to hold this in both of your hands throughout the day, you're going to have a hard time functioning and this is going to impact you, your health, it's going to impact your relationships, it's going to impact your workplace, it's going to impact everything and holding on to a grudge is much the same way. And so where we started this series in week number one, we started talking about really kind of the smaller grudges that, that can kind of build up over time. I mean, we're talking about the little things, someone cuts you off in traffic or someone responds negatively on your, on your Facebook page or whatever it might be. And we kind of referred to uh, kind of collecting pebbles in our shoe. And you want to really start removing those pebbles because over time, they'll just build up and they're still causing pain. Uh, last week, we talked about those who really deeply betray us and cause a lot of pain in our lives. And we're talking about the really big epic hurts, you know, the ones that don't go away so quickly. And you may carry those for a lifetime or for decades. And, and what we learned last week is that God calls us to forgive just the same way that he shares his grace with us. He calls us to do the very same thing with those that have hurt us. Uh, next week, I'm excited as we close this series up, we're talking about a topic that I don't think is talked about very much. And that is, you know, we, we, work with people all the time, or at least I do in the ministry world, that they, they understand that God forgives them and they understand that the people that maybe they hurt forgive them and they find some peace in that, but it's themselves that they're beating up and they hold this guilt and this grudge against themselves. Well, just like any other grudge that causes pain in their life. And we're going to talk about next week, how do we actually forgive ourselves? Today, what I want to talk about is forgiving God. And uh, let me just say up and that's an absurd statement. Um, the idea of forgiving God is kind of uh, an oxymoron because the truth is God doesn't sin. I mean, what we learn in scripture is God is perfect. He, he's an absolute um, treasure in his heart and, and he loves us and he wants the best for us and he cannot do wrong. And so when we're talking about forgiving God, I'm not so much talking about God made a mistake or God sinned. What I'm talking about is there are times in our life where we will hold a grudge against God and we kind of get frustrated or we get bitter or we ask the questions, why did you or why didn't you? Um, God doesn't do wrong, but we definitely can hold grudges against him. And so the question we're going to ask today is what do you do when you feel like you've been wronged by God? I mentioned we're going to be in the book of 1 Samuel. If you have your Bibles, let's open up there. And what I want to talk about is in this story, you have a woman 
And for many of us, maybe you can relate to this woman because she is doing the right things. And she's actually a woman after God's own heart. And you see her uh, pursuing and loving and being faithful. And yet she finds herself disappointed with God. And so she's got to find a way to kind of reconcile that relationship. What I want to talk about is her husband first, and then we're going to kind of get back to the story. So her husband's name is uh, Elkanah. And Elkanah actually, this is interesting, had two wives. Um, he had uh, Hannah, and then he would actually get another wife, Panah. Um, now, if you're sitting at home, and maybe you're a guy, and you're saying, man, this guy had two wives. I mean, he's living the dream. Um, let me just tell you, chances are you're not married, because that that doesn't work. That's just not realistic in the wor- real world. You know, we can watch the shows like The Bachelor, where they'll make out with one woman, and then go make out with the other woman, and everything. that does not, no, that, that's, that's Hollywood narrative. Uh, the truth is, um, the bachelor's not real life. And so what you see in this situation is you see these two sister wives, uh, they're both married to the same guy, but you see that there's trouble brewing and all of a sudden there's this rivalry going on. And I'm gonna show you exactly kind of what's going on. Uh, First, let's talk about this husband, Elkanah. Now Elkanah has a really unique, interesting name. And, And back then they would specifically pick a name for somebody and that name really meant something. You know, my name is, you know, legally my name is Thomas. Um, but the name Thomas is actually, you take the Greek narrative and Aramaic, it actually means the word twin. Um, now, I will tell you straight up, when my mom named me Thomas, it had nothing to do with a biblical reference or twin or the apostle, none of that. Uh, it simply was uh, Thomas, my brother's name was Timothy, she called him Timmy, she liked to call me Tommy, so literally my entire life growing up, it was Timmy and Tommy, that, that was our name. And now to this day, my wife is the only one that I allow to call me Tommy. But there was nothing referenced. There was no meaning behind it. Elkanon has a different name because in Hebrew, what his name actually means is God has created a son or God will give you a son. And so every time he would hear his name and someone would say his name, what he's hearing is God's going to give you a son. God's going to bless you with a son. You're going to have a son. God's going to give you a son. And so his entire life, he's heard this. When he meets Hannah, I don't know if it's his high school sweetheart. I don't know where they met, but he meets her. They fall in love. They get married. And so assuming, obviously, she would give birth to a son. Problem is, she didn't. And what we learn is Hannah is actually, she couldn't bear children. In fact, most scholars believe that's why he probably took on a second wife, Panana, is because, you know, his first wife couldn't actually give him the son that he really wanted to have. And so you can only imagine uh, Hannah's internal dialogue as she couldn't have a, a child. Because understand, back then in their culture, when a child was born, if that child was the first son, that first son was the heir to everything that that father had. And so her husband is thinking, well, she's going to give me a son. That doesn't happen. And you can only imagine the, the guilt that she felt and the failure that she felt like and the humiliation that she had. And what we're going to learn is that even those who were close to her made her feel terrible about it. And so she finds herself in the absolute dumps in her life. Um, and so God She's asking the question, where are you? You know, you're the author of life. You're the one who give, you know, give children to people and, and why not me? And so to kind of give some context to the story um, as we jump into this, 
each year this family, so you got um, Elkanah and you got his two wives, um, they would basically travel on vacation, if you will, to a place called Shiloh. And when I say vacation, it was really kind of a spiritual retreat because they would all go as a family and they would go and sacrifice and they would worship before the Lord. And, and what you see is what would happen over and over and over is Hannah would receive abuse and humiliation and she would be made fun of by the other wife because she couldn't conceive and give birth. And so with all of that backstory, let's jump into verse six and we're gonna kind of go through this. So here's what scripture says. It says, so Panah um, would taunt Hannah and you're gonna see just how hurtful these words can be and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Now, verse seven, I mean, let's, let's really stop and realize that these are real people with real emotion, just how painful this would be. It says year after year, it was the same. And maybe you can relate to that. Year after year, nothing's changing. It's the same circumstance. She's receiving pain. She's hurt. She's being humiliated. She feels guilty. She feels worthless. Year after year, it says it was the same. And then it says, Panana would taunt Hannah as they would enter the tabernacle. Now look at this. Each time Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Now I read that verse and here's where my mind goes. It goes back to so many childhood memories of Thanksgiving or Christmas. Uh, I, I've, I've shared before that I come from a really dysfunctional family, um, my extended family on my side. Um, and, and this was very common for us, that we would have a Thanksgiving dinner with, with everybody. And before you know it, you know, this aunt is getting up and saying, well, I can't believe you did that. And she storms out crying. You're like, oh, oh hey, it's Thanksgiving again. You know, it was, just, it was like an every kind of normal thing. And so what it says here is, is she was reduced to tears and she wouldn't even eat. And I, I want us to realize, again, as you're reading this story, this is an actual account of human beings. And I think, think sometimes we read scripture and we think it's a narrative and we think it's fiction and that's where our mind goes. But these are real people with real emotions and with real experiences going on. And so to summarize, we have Hannah, um, from what we could tell is a very sweet, very godly girl. You have uh, Panana. Um, this girl is really the girl maybe your mama warned you about. You know, um, she's, she's critical, she, she's backstabbing, she's mean. Um, she's the one you don't wanna be around. And then you're gonna find out that she's got a husband that's not always quite supportive. And so Hannah's mindset, you can only imagine kind of where it is, is God, you know, um, I'm being faithful to you. And you know, she's out of the utmost respect. She loves God and she's in love with her Lord. But in the back of her mind, she's like, okay, wait a minute, why, why not me? You know, I'm doing everything you would call me to be. I'm, I'm being faithful. I'm at church every time the doors are open. Uh, I'm, I'm giving, I'm the first one to be able to volunteer. I'm willing to serve back in the kids department in the two-year-old's room. I'm willing to do whatever you call me to do. And yet it's like, you're not really listening to my prayer request. And you see, you're doing miracles for others, but, but you're not doing it for me. And I think she's really asking the question, where, where are you in my life? And so, Perhaps she did the very same thing that we do sometimes. And that is we kind of come up with this spiritual equation, if you will. And you know what this equation is. And that is this, she prayed and then she believed and then she waited. And we do this all the time. We pray, 
and we believe and then we wait and we pray and we believe and we wait and God, I'm praying earnestly and then I believe with all my heart and then I wait and then nothing happens. What this scripture tells us is year after year after year, it says it was the same. Nothing seemed to change and she was humiliated. I mean, her husband's name is you're gonna have a son and she can't even do that. And so she felt terrible. And maybe there's someone listening and watching that can kind of relate to this. You know, maybe you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed for someone to, to receive salvation. And yet it's like, that's just not happening. They're going a different direction. Um, maybe you've prayed and you believed and you've waited for just that right job to come along that would provide for you the right income, give you the insurance, give you the benefits. And it's like, God, why is this not working out? Uh, maybe it's praying for healing for someone and you believed earnestly and they believed earnestly. It's like nothing. And you step back and you ask, okay, wait a minute, right? Maybe, maybe it's depression that you've been just absolutely battling for decades. And you're like, God, why can't you just finally take this off of my plate? Or maybe it's migraines that you're fighting and those migraines are just, they're debilitating and they overcome your life. And you do believe and you're lifting it before the Lord and you're asking him to just intercede and take care of those and then nothing, or maybe it's your marriage or financial hardship, whatever it is, all of a sudden it's like, okay, where are you, God? Right? I trusted you. And, and one day you wake up and you're just kind of going, okay, God, I, I, I pray and I love you, but I'm just, I've got to ask, why aren't you doing this? I, I see miracles for other people why not me and what am I doing wrong to connect the dots together? And, and if you've ever felt that way, then you understand what Hannah was going through and you understand where Hannah was at in her walk with God. And so what I wanna do is kind of be, help you understand exactly what, what Hannah did. So let's talk about minute four. She's married to this guy named um, Elkanah. Now, what we do know about him from what we could tell is he was a pretty good guy. Um, but he was a guy, and, and what I mean by that is guys sometimes aren't the most compassionate, right? They're not always the ones to tell you what you want to hear. Um, they, they sometimes rip it off like a Band-Aid. Uh, sometimes they, they have humor that maybe females don't get. Man, Elkanah was just a guy, and, and what you can see from this is, is he's cursed with kind of asking really dumb questions, okay? And so let me help you understand this question. And I want you to understand why uh, possibly Hannah would get so upset. So before we read verse eight um, and the words he asks her, um, where my mind immediately goes to is, is there's a movie that I love. It's called National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And you've got uh, characters all over this movie, but you've got you know Clark Griswold and you've got Cousin Eddie. Um, Cousin Eddie is just, uh, he's a goofball, right? I mean, he's not the brightest, he's not the sharpest. He, he's a big heart, he loves people, um, but he doesn't quite get it. Um, and there's one particular scene in this movie, they're at, they're at Christmas dinner and uh, Clark is about to cut into a big turkey and it looks gorgeous and beautiful and it's just golden brown and juices flowing all over it. And cousin Eddie's wife is the one who cooked the turkey. And so the moment he cuts into this turkey, it, it splits open and it shrivels up and, and it kind of puffs out this, this smoke and it's just destroyed. It's been overcooked way too long. Well, cousin Eddie's wife, Catherine, immediately just starts crying like crazy. 
Cousin Eddie looks at her and he goes, why are you crying? He just didn't comprehend, right? Those are the exact same words that Elkanah says to Hannah. Look at this, verse 8. Why are you crying, Hannah? He just, duh. Can I look at this? Elkanah would ask another question. Why aren't you eating? So understand, she gets up, she storms away from the table, she's crying, she's humiliated, she's embarrassed. Then he continues, why be downhearted just because you have no children, girl? Come on. And you talk about the biggest, dumbest question. Look at this. You have me. Isn't that better than 10 sons? Okay, I can't even begin to imagine Hannah's response, right? I mean, she's got to be furious. We don't know exactly what Hannah said. I'm guessing it's something like, do you want to try that again before I call the, the divorce, you know, attorney? Um, that, that's just, it's crazy to me. And somehow this guy asks this question, makes these statements. He, he thinks it's okay. And obviously Hannah is just shattered at this point. So she's doing everything she possibly can to trust God. And yet the one thing God can do and the only thing that someone can do, it's God as far as giving birth and giving life, he's not doing it. And so you see her situation God is not doing what she was really wanting and desiring him to do. Her husband's being a complete bonehead with the way he's handling this stuff. And, and then you've got this sister wife, Panana, who's running around with her kids, by the way, criticizing her, humiliating her. I mean, the question is, what do you do when you wake up and you find yourself disappointed because God didn't do what you really wanted him to do and what you know he could do? Right? And what I want to do is show you exactly what Hannah actually did do. Um, and I think you might even find this helpful. So chances are pretty good that you won't hear a lot of sermons encouraging this. And, and I don't encourage it all the time, honestly. Um, but I think there are times where we need to just flat out get it off our chest. And when we are upset with God and we are maybe holding bitterness towards God and we have even maybe a grudge, um, I really do believe God would rather us be honest with him than kind of wedge this in between our relationship with God. I really believe he would much rather us, let's, let's pull this out and, and let's deal with it and, and be honest about this. And what we see is Hannah just unloaded on God and she just let it rip. And she took all the pain, all the hurt, all the disappointment, all the rage, all the anguish and just blah, and just had this moment with God. Um, I, I will tell you, uh, I've had those moments myself with God, and I'm sure there are those who are watching who've also had those moments. And, you know, I shared even not too long ago, I know I was in the barn when I shared this about my wife and I going to a kind of a marriage retreat. And we, we had this really awkward moment where she went this one way and talked with God, and I went this one way. And, and here's what I did. I, I had not a prayer time, not a spiritual awakening. I had a temper tantrum. That's, that's really what I did is I was on this search for joy. This was about four years ago, and I walked out in this, this forest, and, and I'm yelling at God, and I'm frustrated at God, and I pick up this big branch like a baseball bat, and I just start wailing on this tree. And to this day, I don't know if that tree made it, right? I just really beat the tar out of this tree until I was just exhausted and couldn't move anymore, you know? And I, I got to tell you, I, I felt better afterwards. <laughs> um, I, I just think there's times we've got to just 
get it off of our chest. And I want to share with you how this played out for Hannah. So we're going to be in verse 9. And here's what it says. Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, again, they're kind of there on that spiritual retreat vacation. Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli, who was the priest, was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the table. Now look at this. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed before the Lord. From the depths of her heart, she's just laying it before the Lord. And we don't know exactly what she's saying. She's being raw. She's being real. God, I I thought you would do this, but you didn't do this. God, why in the world would you let a woman like that give birth to a child and be a mom, right? Why why not me, right? My my husband needs this, and yet I feel like I'm humiliated because I can't even do this. And God, why? I've been faithful, and I love you, and I honor you. God, I declared your faithfulness, your goodness. Why haven't you done this for me, God? It's interesting, the message translation that you talk about hurt. Here's what it says. It says crushed in soul. Maybe maybe you can relate to that. Your soul is just shattered. Hannah prayed to God and cried and cried. Here's what it says, inconsolably. And what Hannah does is she goes before the Lord and she takes this mask that we put up for other people and we act as if God can't tell what's going on on the inside, right? Because he knows our heart. He knows our emotions. He knows our feelings. He knows our longings. He knows our desires. And she took this mask and she just laid it down. And she was just herself and she was real. And I got to tell you, I think of those moments, I don't think God's mad. I don't think God's, you know, ticked off at us. I think God's probably relieved. Okay, now let's deal with who you really are. Right? Let, let, let's stop the games, let's stop the pretending, let's really talk about it and, and pour our heart out to him. In fact, truth number one I want to share with you is God is big enough to handle your hurt. He's big enough. You see this in scripture, a guy named David. I mean, you, you look at some of the, the Psalms that you see in scripture and he is just crying out to the Lord, why are my enemies sneaking up behind me and you're doing nothing about it? Why won't you protect me? Why are you gonna let me die out here? Right? David's like, God, where are you? you? You see Jeremiah crying out to God. You see Jesus, the son of God, crying out to God. Here he is on the cross and Jesus, God, where are you, Father? It's like you've turned your back towards me and you talk about faithfulness. I mean, Jesus did everything God called him to do and he's saying, why me? Where are you? And what we need to understand is God loves you and he understands your pain. And I believe in all my heart, he welcomes our questions. And here's truth number two is God is big enough to handle your doubts. He's big enough. Okay, let's just think common sense wise. If God is real and God is God, then God says, bring on the questions because you can't prove him wrong. And he's big enough to handle our doubts. In fact, with everything in me, I I truly believe God would rather us yell at him and share our disappointment than walk away from him because his earnest desire is to have a relationship with us. In fact, I'm reading a book right now and I wanna read you just a short excerpt from that book. And here's what it says. It says, tragedies bring home the awful truth that we are not in charge. (laughs) That's kind of a a duh statement, right? But it does scream it in our face when something goes wrong. 
we're out of control. We, we can't handle this, right? It says all of us think at one time or another that we can control the outcomes of situations, but in reality, it's God who's in charge of all of his creation. Now listen to this. Really let this sink in. Everything that happens is either caused by or allowed by God. God knows our hearts, and it's pointless to try and hide, hide how we really feel. So talking to him about it, it is one of the best ways we can handle our grief. If we do so humbly, pouring out our hearts to him, he will work through us, and in the process, will make us more like him. Does God understand when we are angry, frustrated, or disappointed with him? Well, of course he does. He knows our hearts, and we know how difficult and painful life is in this world and in what it can be. And so why fake it? We, we fake it before everybody else, and we fake it before God, and yet God knows the truth, and he can see right through our mask. It's just laying it down and being honest. And it says, if you ever find yourself disappointed, hurt, disillusioned, God is big enough to understand your pain. Take it to him. And so Hannah unloads on God and just lets him have it. In fact, what she says is in her prayer, she cries out to God and she basically says, if you'll just give me a son, I'll give him right back to you. In other words, if you give me a son, I'm going to declare he's for you and in your purpose and in your honor. And I'm going to dedicate everything about him back to you and I'll give him back to you. And then what you see is there's just this interesting dialogue between the priest Eli and, and, and Hannah. And I won't go into those details, but what the priest basically says is he says, may God grant you your request. In other words, I, I really hope this happens for you, right? And that's all he says. And then what you see is there's, there's no immediate change. Uh, heaven doesn't open up, you know, things don't happen. She goes back home and she's still got an, uh, a husband who's not always, you know, the, the most considerate. And, and she's got this sister wife who's as cruel as can be. And she still doesn't have this baby. And, and I want you to see what she does because I think this is just so key. And I think this is absolutely the same thing that, that so many of you do on a regular basis. She does the very same thing. And here's what it says. This is in verse 19. And, and she continues to have faith and she takes whatever faith that she has. And here's what it says. It says, the entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Right? I love the way that's phrased, that they got up the next morning, still seeing nothing, right? Not, not having a boy, not having a child, not having a baby, not even having a little bump in the tummy. Like there's nothing changed. She's still got a husband who's being a complete goober. She still has a sister wife that's just, she's driving me crazy. And yet she went to worship the Lord once more. What can we take from that? That we continue to worship the Lord and trust in him. We believe what we know Hannah would learn, and that is this. Here's a biblical truth, that nothing is wasted when God gives you a season of waiting. Let me say that again. Nothing is wasted. You know, when God says, not right now, and God says it's going to be years, and God says it's not going to be today, I'm like, okay, God, but it's been, it's been 12 years now, God. And what we've got to realize is God's timing is perfect. God's not in a hurry. If you've ever not realized that, that's a painful lesson is God is really not in a hurry to get done what we want to get done. And, and boy, I, I've, I've been on the receiving end of that a lot of times, you know. And the truth is, though, even when we don't think he's working, he's working behind the scenes. And God will never waste 
right? The times that we think we're just waiting. And so that's just because you don't see something doesn't mean that God's not doing something. And in Hannah's case, you know, God hears the cries of her heart. He, he sees her raw transparency and God gives her the desires of her heart. Now, now listen, this may happen in your life and, and this may not right? This, this is not a, you know, a, a, a stick with it and it's going to happen no matter what. No, there are times God says no, and we've got to understand that we serve a sovereign God, but even when we're waiting, th- those times aren't wasted. One commentary puts it this way, no matter what the outcome is, the goodness of God is not based on what we see or don't see. The goodness of God is simply based on who he is. That's the God we serve. And in Hannah's case, this is actually what happened. It says they returned home to Ramah. And then it says when Elkanah slept with Hannah. Now, here's my opinion. I think this is probably after a week of probably sleeping on the couch. And then it's probably a a lot of apologies for those really ridiculous questions. But at any point, when Elkanah slept with Hannah, it says the Lord remembered her plea. Another translation says God answered her prayer And it says, in due time, she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, and she said, I asked the Lord for him. And she learned very clearly. I mean, she learned crystal clearly. You see, Samuel's name, by the way, if you take that and dissect it, it actually means God has heard. And it didn't happen year one, didn't happen year two. I mean, you're talking year after year of God, where are you? God, why aren't you listening? And God, are you even there? And God, why are you doing it for everybody else, but you're not doing it for me? And God, where's my miracle, right? This is the earnest desire of my heart. I'm being faithful. And here's what Hannah learned is that is this, the final point from the story I wanna share with you guys is a delay from God is not necessarily a denial from God. God is not in a hurry. And God very well may answer that prayer request. He very well may may give you the miracle that you're searching for and very well may want to do that for you. It may be today. It may be tomorrow. It it may be, you know, 10 years from now. So what do we do in the meantime? And what what can we pull from this story? I, I think we continue to have faith. You continue to pray. You continue to worship. You continue to wait. And that same three things, you pray and you believe and you wait. And Hannah, she would do it over and over and over. And it says the entire family got up the next morning and they went to worship the Lord once more. We know our father loves us. We know he wants the best for us. We know he protects us. We know he's working about all things, even behind the curtain that we don't know about for our benefit. And we know that even when we think we're just delaying and God, where are you? He's not wasting that. And just because he says not right now doesn't mean he doesn't say not, he's going to happen. It's just, it, it, the delay doesn't mean denial, right? And so our job is to remain faithful to him and trust him and just wait and see what he does. And so what we learn from this with this incredible story from Hannah is that you building up a bitterness towards God and you get this nasty, raw, just, oh, this, this, this will hurt any relationship. This, this will hurt and force you to walk away from your relationship with God. God wants us to take this and drop the mask and be real and say, God, I'm hurting. And here's where I'm hurting. And God, you know the truth, you know where I'm at. And I just need you to show me. 
And you're going to sense his feelings. You're going to sense his spirit and know that he is in control. And our job is to lay before him and say, here it is. And so I want to encourage you as we kind of wrap up today is that just remain faithful. Take the faith that you have left. Present your request before the Lord. Believe in that and wait and see how he responds. For more information on Reclamation Church, please visit our website at re.church. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at re.churchplano. Join me on Thursday for our discussions episode, as well as leaving a review and following us wherever you listen to podcasts would be very helpful for us and our ministry here as we continue to pursue this podcast ministry here at Reclamation Church. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you on Thursday for our discussions episode. Have a great rest of your week.